Shalom, friends. This is your friendly neighborhood podcast host, Jake Rubin. Welcome to MSU Hillel's The Weekly Kvetch. This podcast features news, interviews, and a whole lot of kvetching. So I'm excited for you to join me and my trusty producers, Sophie and Nate, as we dive deep into all things Jewish. Hello and welcome back to the Weekly Fetch. I remain your host, Jake Rubin, and alongside my producers, Sophie, Nate, and MSU Hillel, we are super excited to bring a very special guest this week, Dr. Rachel Fish, who is the founding executive director of the Foundation to Combat Anti-Semitism. Thank you for joining us, Rachel. Thank you. Uh, before we get started, though, we have a quick word from our sponsors. So let's hear our word from our sponsors. The Weekly Kafetch is sponsored by MSU Hillel, the place to be for more than 3,500 Jewish students at MSU. The Weekly Kafetch is also sponsored by Matzah. You either love it or you hate it. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, So now we're going to move on to our next section of the podcast, which is a very special part of the podcast. Let's give them something to fetch about. Fetch. 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 So uh, what are we fetching about today? So this week, as this episode drops, uh, it will be the lovely holiday of Pesach, or in English, as we know it, Passover. Passover. Passover has its perks and its downfalls. Mm -hmm. So that's what we are going to be discussing today. I want to start off just by saying that I actually really like Passover, um, but I do have some complaints. Yes. But what I like the most about Passover is it gives us a chance to reset um, because it like, okay, the weekly fetch is based in Michigan in Michigan for multiple months pre Passover. It's winter time. How do you prepare for winter? You eat every kind of carb you want and then you hibernate. Okay. So then we need like a little break because then we can then like emerge victorious and have a hot girl summer and then everything is fine. So that's why I like it. Cause it's like a forced religious reason to diet essentially, but in a meaningful way. And that's also only one week. True. The, the one thing. I was telling somebody. Oh, go Jake. <laughs> I was just telling somebody the other day that I, I actually, I lose weight every year around Passover time. And they're like, they're like, isn't it like a fun holiday? I'm like, oh, is it a fun holiday? Are any Jewish holidays fun holidays? I asked the question. Uh, but, uh, you know, it is fun. I like Passover. It's my favorite holiday because it's just, it's it's like the epitome of a Jewish holiday to me. It's like we all sit around with our family and we talk about how sad we are and then we eat lots of food. But uh, unfortunately, that comes with the caveat, of course, which is the loss of as we talked about in the last episode, the loss of our Jewish carbs. You know, we need our Jewish carbs. We need our challah. We need our, we need our barakas. We need our fried foods. And it's hard for us to go from that to matzah. You can mm-hmm. only have pizza matzah so many times before you start to lose your mind. True. A little bit. <laughs> here's um, here's the, here's the thing about Passover. I personally do really enjoy the holiday. I love the food that is associated with Passover. I enjoy the service, which 
you know, I, my family tries to make it as short as possible. So, you know, that's always good. Um, but you know what? Matzah, it's just, you can't eat too much of it. That's the thing. And I've made that mistake one too many times. And now I won't make that mistake. So I just try to avoid matzah at all costs. If you know, you know. I will say too, like I, I was cursed. Um, call me Moses, but I was cursed with um, a, almost an every year Passover birthday. Um, which means like no Costco cake for me. I have to figure something else out. And I've come to really love a sugar filled, um, basically like no flour, uh, kosher for Passover seven layer cake, which is fantastic, but sad. Um, and I'm actively looking for ways to innovate around Passover so that I can celebrate my birthday way better. So if you have ideas, let me know. Does it fall during your birthday again this year? It does. And my second COVID vaccine. So. Oh, that's exciting. By Passover. It's time to be done. And I'll still be in my hotel. (laughs) There used to be this flourless chocolate cake that my mom would get from um, Hiller's TB. TBT to Hillers, um, if you don't know, greatest grocery store ever. Um, but then they closed, so she found it from some other bakery. But I don't know. It's 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 a dank cookie cake. That's all I have to say. Dank cookie cake. Used to make. <laughs> Every year, my family makes like the best chocolate chip cookies that I love. That are kosher for Passover. That I like them almost more than normal. Like not normal. I'm not saying that is not normal, but like you know non-kosher for Passover cookies. They're pretty up there. And I'm always surprised. I also like Passover because I'm usually the one that finds the afikoman and I have to fight the little kids for it. I always give them the money, but I am the best at finding the afikoman. So shout out to me real quick. Now for a weekly fetch first, we're going to take it to the streets where our correspondent, Julia Brettschneider, will go and ask the people of MSU Hillel what their favorite thing about Passover is. Julia reporting live from the streets of East Lansing asking MSU Hillel students our hardest, toughest hitting questions. This week, all about Passover. Let's see what they have to say. Here with the young, bright MSU student. What's your name? Mallory. Mallory, what is your favorite thing about Passover? The Afi Coleman. All right, thanks, bye. What's your name? Nicole. What's your favorite thing about Passover? Um, I like matzah. All right, what's your name? Chloe. What's your favorite thing about Passover? Um, seeing my grandparents for the first time. Oh, that's nice. uh, what are you guys' names? Jordan, Lexi. What are your favorite things about Passover? Matzah. <laughs> Matzah. Cool, thanks guys. Excuse me, what's your name? Julia Foos. And uh, what's your favorite thing about Passover? Family time. Cool. Um, uh, what's your name? Sarah Kerr. What's your favorite thing about Passover? <laughs> um, uh, seeing Julia. <laughs> Love it. Thanks, guys. Would just like to note that it is a beautiful 63 degree degree day. Can't speak. Uh, Would just like to note that it is a beautiful 63 degree day. So I'm seeing a lot of our fellow MSU Jewish students here out and about in East Lansing. Oh, I see one now. Let's go talk to her. Bam, do you mind if I sit down with you? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) So what is your name? Hannah. And what is your favorite thing about Passover? The hard-boiled eggs with the same. Can I ask why? Because I, like I don't it. care. <laughs> What's your name? Mina. And what is your favorite thing about Passover? 
I love the community and family a part of Passover. And can you explain more on that? Well, you we actually don't have time, I'm sorry. Can I ask you a question? Sure. What is your favorite thing about Passover? Honestly, matzah. All right, and what is your favorite thing about matzah? Um, I'm sorry, we can't talk about this right now. Thank you, Julia. So yeah, in conclusion, Passover is a great holiday. Uh, don't eat too much matzah because you will get constipated. And eat all the carbs you can right now before the holiday. It's probably, does it start Saturday? Yeah, this drops Friday. So eat all the carbs today as you possibly can. Overload your carb intake and then you'll be fine for the week of Passover. Very, very well put. All right, and now we're gonna move on to our interview section of our podcast. So let's hear our interview. Take it away, Jake. Thank you, Jake. Now let's move on to the interview. So uh, Rachel, for those of us who might not know about who you are and what you do, uh, please tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of about your work. Sure. So it's a pleasure to be uh, part of the weekly fetch. Thank Thank you. you for having me. Of course. So I am, as you said, the executive director of the Foundation to Combat Antisemitism, which is a relatively new initiative started by the Kraft family. And we are created for the specific purpose of trying to reach 13 to 35-year-olds who are in the middle, what we, rec- what we call the don't knows. So these are Jews and non-Jews who really just don't have the language or understand what anti-Semitism is. They lack the sensitivity around it. And what we're trying to do is actually put anti-Semitism in conversation with other forms of hatred, whether it's racism, homophobia, Islamophobia, xenophobia, whatever it may be, in order to be able to recognize that, of course, all of these have unique characteristics. And at the same time, there's a share foundational denominator between all of them. And we are trying to understand that just as if it is not only up to, you know, the black community to fight racism, it is also not up to just LGBTQ plus folks to fight homophobia and transphobia. It's also not only up to Jews to fight Jew hatred. And so we really want to very clearly articulate that in order to be against one of these forms of hatred, you really ought to be against all of these forms of hatred and that all of them need to be socially unacceptable in the 21st century. That's very, very interesting. And it's a very, you know, very good, good. Uh, uh, right now, especially, I think it's very, you know, you see those people like the activists on Instagram sharing the social media, and it's just very interesting to see which which people, what activists d- decide is worth their time of the day. And it's kind of like, if you're an activist, all issues should be part of your issues, not just picking and choosing them. That's something that I always talk to my friends about, and just kind of like that notion of kind of picking and choosing your battles when you should just pick all of them. And That's so, right. Uh, yeah. That's right. So <laughs> uh, that little spiel aside. Uh, so, Dr. Fish, you have a very diverse background of teaching and research uh, uh, to get to the point where you are today. So what made you choose uh, Jewish and Israel education specifically as opposed to so many other different topics going on? Sure. So I'll tell you a little bit about where I come from to understand where I am today. So I grew up in a small town in the foothills of the Smoky Mountains in Northeast Tennessee. 
So beautiful country, but a place in which there are very few Jews. So out of my town and six surrounding towns, there were only about 30 Jewish families, 30 to 60, depending at any given moment. And it made you at a very young age had to be able to articulate what makes you different and why you believe in what you believe in. And we like to joke in my family that Johnson City, where I grew up, is really the buckle of the Bible Belt. So you really have to be able to explain to a friend, you know, why you can't always go to every Friday night football game or why it's not appropriate for the public school to have prayer in the public school in the name of Jesus when you have the separation of church and state. And even little mundane things like what is a bat mitzvah, right? Or why don't you eat bacon at the sleepover? Things like this that seem to bleed into a normal conversation. But when you're young and you have to be able to say who you are and what that means for your identity, it has an impact because at a very early age, you become an educator in some ways that maybe in other places that you one would live geographically, you wouldn't have to be able to explain all of that. So that's where I grew up. And I will say that my first experience with Israel was, you know, with Camp Ramah when I went on a summer seminar program. And to me, it just was this incredible moment in time in which I recognized that this was a laboratory, the laboratory of the Jewish people, right? Meaning you're living in Jewish time. You're, you're having to grapple with what does it mean to be both Jewish and to be a democratic state and protect all of its citizens, no matter what their identity it's a, it's a place that it's grappling with these issues in a Hebrew language indigenous to the Jewish people and recognizing that you're in a region that is not always a region that's accepting. So that propelled me in my studies when I went to university and led me to pursue my doctorate in the field of Israel studies and Zionist thought. And also because I realized that most conversations, not just about Israel, but most topics tend to be very superficial and lack the complexity and nuance that we really need in order to engage in, I'd say, more substantive conversations and conversations that can actually lead to meaningful engagement. And that's why I pursued the kind of degrees that I pursued, because I really believe in the power of education. I actually think that knowing something truly matters. Knowing something truly matters. I like that. I should get that like above my bed. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so you alluded to it a little bit earlier uh, when you kind of described about like the work that you do. But could you tell us a little bit more about the foundation to combat anti-Semitism? And what are some specific projects that you're proud of that you've kind of helped herald through that? Yeah, I would love to share this with you all because this actually totally relates to the, the listeners who are paying attention to this, to this podcast. So we decided to do some research because I know how to ask questions, right? That's what I'm trained to do. And we wanted to understand who are the people we're actually reaching out to? Who are the don't knows? So we did research to ask, you know, what are you concerned about? How do you use social media? Do you actively engage with it? Or are you passively consuming it? What are the issues of the day that concern you the most and animate how you think about the world? Are you invested in the social issues of the day? And we asked too, like, what is anti-Semitism? And you won't be surprised, or maybe you will be surprised, you'll tell me, that the majority of individuals would respond, IDK, 
right? Like, I don't know. And then those who actually tried to venture and guess about what anti-Semitism is, they said, well, I'm definitely anti-racist. I'm anti-homophobia. I'm anti-Islamophobia. So I'm probably an anti-Semite. And you're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you're not an anti-Semite. You're an anti-anti-Semite. But what it pointed to was actually a really serious issue. People don't know what the word is, Jews and non-Jews, because it sounds like this pseudo-scientific, sanitized word. And also people are like, well, what is even a Semite? So how, what's an anti-Semite? So we said, okay, we've got to stop even using some of this language. One, nobody really understands what it is. Two, if people understood what it is, they assumed anti-Semitism ended with the Holocaust, which we know is not accurate, especially based upon what we've seen in the world. And three, we said we need to be more clear and direct. So what is anti-Semitism? It's Jew hatred. That is what it is. And what was interesting is that when we said Jew hatred or hatred of Jews, a lot of individuals who know what the term anti-Semitism means said, that's crass. You shouldn't say Jew hatred. That's too direct. And I felt like that's exactly why we should say Jew hatred, because then people understand exactly what it is. So the other piece of this is that once we recognize that most people don't know what anti-Semitism is, we said we need to do a public facing initiative on social because that's where our first point of contact is with our audience. And so we branded our public facing initiative as TBH, Together Beat Hate. So all the people who are listening right now, well, pick up your phones, go to Instagram or Facebook and follow on TBH, Together Beat Hate. And what you'll see is, is that we said, we're actually doing something that you don't do on most of these social platforms. First of all, we're doing heavy content. It's not about beautiful pictures of what you're about to eat or some beautiful geographical location. It's not escapism. We're actually front and center putting real substance for people to grapple with, again, in the conversation of anti-Semitism and racism and homophobia so that all of these issues, you can begin to see how they are related and impacted by one another. So that is something I would say that we're learning a lot from, learning a lot about, and really trying to create a space on a place, the internet, that's not so pleasant much of the time, uh, that encourages conversation before confrontation, that encourages questions rather than exclamations, right? And really trying to get people to engage in a more meaningful and intentional way around these subjects. And uh, speaking of these subjects, you kind of talked a little bit about it earlier, but, uh, and this is kind of like a trickyish question, but what are some components of modern anti-Semitism that's kind of going around the world right now? Something that's appeared recently, just even in the US, in Boston, in Michigan, in, you know, local or even worldwide? Because sure. it's still happening. It's definitely happening. I mean, I don't think we have to look so far to remember what just happened in our nation's capital on January 6th, when we saw uh, Nazi symbols, we saw some of the individuals who were part of the insurrection wearing shirts saying six million weren't enough. So we actually in our country right now are seeing a real uptick in Jew hatred. And it's not only coming from, I would say, a white supremacist angle, which is more the heart of right, which of course it exists and we see and it is dangerous. We also see it coming from hard left, right? When we have 
either government officials or academics who, sit, who have a starting point that Israel has no right to exist, that's part of the anti-Semitism conversation. And I wanna be very clear, I'm not talking about criticism of Israeli policy, that's completely kosher. Every Jew I know in Israel and outside of Israel actually engages in very significant criticism of Israeli policy, as you should in order to be connected to a place and make it better, just like every American ought to be engaged in a connected criticism about America. But the starting point for most people when they're talking about America is not, does America have a right to exist? Uh, yeah, it does. It de facto does exist. So we have to ask ourselves, why is that an acceptable starting point? And call it out when we see it, because there's a double standard and a demonization that's going on around Jews identifying as a people who collectively desire self-determination. So that's part of the challenge here, Jake, is that it's not so... Um, it's not so hard to find examples, which is why it's a challenge, meaning it's very prevalent. I mean, we just saw this past week, a well-known basketball player who uses a derogatory remark towards Jews as he's frustrated playing some gaming game you know, on the internet. It just comes out of his mouth. Now, maybe he doesn't know what that means. If I wanna say he just, know, he just happened to say it, but the fact is it's in the air and he happened to say it. And so it's our job to figure out when you hear those things, how do you actually respond? When do you respond? How do you call people into a conversation so that they can be more educated and sensitive around these issues? And I think uh, even speaking of responses, uh, I think college students, I think every single college student has encountered anti-Semitism in one form or the other. Do you have any tips or tricks that you'd recommend to just like the average day person when encountering anti-Semitism and even just like on campus? So as you know, it totally depends on the context, meaning if you're surrounded by detractors who hate Jews, probably not so much you can do in order to change their hearts and minds and mm -hmm. probably just need to call the university police, right? That's probably the best response. Yes. But should you be in a space in which you're not surrounded only by detractors, the reason to respond is to think about the 80% of people there who just don't know, who simply have no idea what is even happening in this conversation don't understand what anti-Semitism is. They're those IDKs, right? I don't know. Mm -hmm. And so that's why you need to think about, so what is the proper response? And I often say that if you can lead with um, positive intent, assuming that people really just don't know, they lack the information, they may be ignorant and call them into an opportunity to learn, that's a great way to begin a conversation. That's a great way to begin to say, let's hit a timeout, let's reflect on what's going on here, and let's actually think about ways in which I can help you understand why this is painful for the Jewish community. Because what we don't want to do is allow anti-Semitism to be a passable form of hatred. That we don't want. And as you notice, even in the world, there are many individuals where they say things that are anti-Semitic, especially, you know, celebrities, athletes, whomever it may be, and they get away with it. Whereas if it were about any other minority group, probably they wouldn't get away with it. So we have to create that sense that this is socially unacceptable because it is socially unacceptable. Now, there are times in which people don't have positive intent. So you don't need to be fooled and think, well, I just need to keep 
encouraging them to learn. Sometimes people don't want to learn, or sometimes people really are nefarious and malicious and really don't like Jews in any shape or form. And therefore, you need to be able to stand up very proudly as a Jew or as a non-Jew with real confidence. Yeah, I think that's that's very, very... I have background noise. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> no worries. You're Sorry, sorry. guys. That was very strange. All of a sudden, something came on. So I was like, what is this? <laughs> You're good. I'll cut this out. Okay. Oh, Thank okay. you. That's okay. Uh, did you finish your thought or? What did I say last? Something you were like, we need to stand up. Oh, yeah. So I just want to say that about that. Okay. Thank you. Yes. Yo, you're welcome. So when we do encounter Jew hatred in any shape or form coming from individuals who have a clear agenda that is about um, proposing hatred towards Jews because of their religion, because of their ethnic composition, supposed racial identity, and or because of their affiliation with Zionism and the identity of the state of Israel. In those situations, you have to stand up. You have to have the confidence in order to stand up. And you have to be willing to say, why is it acceptable for you to be hating on me for this particular identity when it wouldn't be acceptable for any other community? So it's a balance of knowing when to do which, call in or call out, and it really depends on the context. The context obviously matters, yes. So obviously, uh, this is more of a personal question. So obviously, Dr. Fish, you're, per you're very passionate about these issues, but uh, outside of your professional work, what are some other things that you're passionate about that kind of like light your fire? Just, I'm just curious. <laughs> yeah, so listen, I have, um, I have four kids. And I'm married and my family is, you know, top priority. So we are very passionate about really spending meaningful time with one another. Um, I would also just say in general that we, um, we love sports deeply. And I actually find that uh, sports is a great way to actually teach and fail in the best possible way. And so that is something we actually really encourage in, in our family. And, you know, in terms of what else, you know, I spend a lot of time teaching, a lot of time. Teaching is really my oxygen. Uh, that's how I feel like I am really able to engage in a significant way with individuals who are open to complexity and nuance. And... Uh, as many outside hikes as possible with our dog in order to keep us super grounded <laughs> in reality. Well, that's yeah. really, that's really wholesome. And that's really nice. So, uh, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, uh, 
Uh, before we wrap up, uh, is there anything else that you haven't really gotten a chance to talk about that you'd like to share? Or any like parting words of wisdom that you'd like to give about people with, that ha has to do with anti-Semitism, just about uh, being Jewish or anything else that you'd like to, some knowledge that you'd like to drop on yeah, us? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Listen, I'd say a few things. I'd say, you know, Jake, part of the challenge is for anti-Semitism is not about um, if you're going to encounter it, but actually when will you encounter it? Mm -hmm. And I think we're seeing that individuals are encountering it in even younger ages because of social media and engaging about, you know, your question about, well, how do you respond or engage? That's actually even trickier with social media because there's this cancel culture that exists. There's a lack of civility. There's this kind of piece of anonymity around it. So you can say things and throw these grenades and you know, be really harmful in that kind of public space in a way that you can't when you're in conversation with someone. So it, it has the ability to really dehumanize. And I would really encourage everyone to really think carefully when they're on social about how they do engage and for what purpose they're engaging. And when you can take those conversations offline and into the real world, I highly suggest doing it. Um, the other thing I would just say is that I am finding younger and younger students, middle school, high school students, really saying, I don't know what anti-Semitism is. How do I tell? What is anti-Zionism? Are they different? And I really do think it's you know, a responsibility for educators, for the Jewish community, for people who really care about this subject to think about ways to have these conversations with young people so that they feel more um, in control of what they will see, when they will see it, how it may present itself. The other piece I would just say is that you can't politicize this subject. Meaning if you see it, whether it's coming from left politically, the right politically, if it's coming from within a religion, if it's coming from a certain social movement, if you actually don't call it out, that's when you politicize it. Or if you don't call it in, depending upon the conversation. But that's our responsibility to actually have the wherewithal to say all the more so if it's coming from your own political camp that you have a responsibility to address it rather than to ignore it. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you for uh, the interview. Now we're going to move on to our next section of the podcast, which is the bit where I rant about something. So what are you going to rant about today, Mr. Jake? Well, thank you, Mr. Jake. I've been passing it a lot to myself today, so I'm receiving it now. So uh, what I'm going to rant to you about today is about hate. Here's the thing. Why hate? End of rant. No, just kidding. I'll rant a little bit more. Uh, <laughs> hating isn't good. It's not fun. Uh, if you look around, it's so much easier to love than hate. I do improv, and there's a rule in improv that is uh, always find love in scenes. I think that that's a really... Uh, powerful thing when you think put it to your life find the love in a situation it's really easy to argue with another person and it, it's really easy to be like steadfast in your ways but if you take a second and you find the love you'd be like what do we have in common what 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 do i what do i share in commonality with this person what do i have in something other than what you have in common but what you know what do i enjoy about this person what brings joy in my life from this person and so then you find the love and so there's too much hate. There's, we, have, we have problems on campus. We have problems off campus with specifically anti-Semitism. We have problems with things such as, you know, Islamophobia, all, the, all of the problems that we have are caused due to one word, 
on education. You need to educate yourself. Get out there. Instead of being confused and angry, be educated and angry. Fight words with educated words. If somebody's saying something that doesn't make any sense, you go look it up and you correct the heck out of them. Be like, oh yeah, this is why you're wrong because of X and Y and Z. Nobody can retort an argument that's backed with science. Yeah, I almost swore by accident. So I, <laughs> I had to stop myself. But I, the, science is important because science is the way to the future. And the way to the future is literally through time machines, which we will make with science. But uh, sorry, I keep getting, I'm a little distracted right now. Focus, hate. All right, hate is bad. You should find love. Find love, educate yourself. Educate a friend, educate a neighbor. If you see somebody that's going off on Facebook, take a second, be like, is this worth my time? If you decide it is worth your time, sit down and make sure and understand that if you, you can't fight stupid with stupid, you can only fight stupid with intelligence. So that's the only way to do it is that sometimes you have to take the high road and be like, you know what? I'm not gonna change this person's mind, but I'm gonna take solace in the fact knowing that I said my piece and I said all I can say, and they're still gonna be ranting about, you know, whatever they wanna rant about on Facebook, and I'm gonna be happy. And so here's my summary about my podcast. I mean, not my podcast, this is the podcast. Here's my summary, here's my summary about the rant that I'm doing this beautiful, beautiful Tuesday morning. Hate in the world, bad. Love in the world, good. Education connects. Happiness, good. Sadness, sad. All right. Well, I think that's about all I have for my rant about hate in the world. Why hate in the world? Why love in the world? Why anything in the world? Why this world? Why not Mars? Who knows? All right. Well, <laughs> thank you, uh, Jake. You're welcome, Jake. All right. And now we're going to move on to our 22nd tour portion. Take it away. It's time for 22nd Torah. Hi, I'm Rabbi Jenna stein and this is 22nd Torah. This week's Parsha is Tzav, which describes in detail how the priests make the sacrifices in the temple. We no longer practice Judaism with sacrifice, but one thing lingers from this Parsha. A perpetual fire must be kept burning on the altar. All synagogues have a modern version of this eternal flame, typically hanging above the Torah Ark. It's both literal and metaphorical. The light stays on and our inner fire does not go out. How do you keep your flame lit? Okay, thank you. Thank you for the 22nd Torah portion. It was quite enlightening, just as usual. Now we're going to move on to Nate's favorite portion of the podcast, the L'Chaim of the Week. So we're going to talk about, if you're unfamiliar, we're going to give a L'Chaim, a quick shout out to something in the past week that happened, something in the current week, something in our future. We're just giving a L'Chaim to something of this week. My L'Chaim of the Week is the fact that I'm going to be going back home to my family and we're going to be celebrating Passover. And I'm kind of excited. I, uh, I haven't been home in a hot minute and it's going to be nice to just sit around, eat lots of food and just enjoy time with my family. So my L'Chaim of the Week is for a nice Passover dinner. What about you, Sophie? Um, if things go as planned, I should be going home as well mm -hmm. to do some sort of Passover outside with my family because uh, back home, my kitchen's being redone. So there's no cooking from my mom this year, which is uh, hashtag big sad. Um, so we might carry in like deli or something like that, but like no bread. That's funny you say that. My kitchen is also 
getting redone at home. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, all right. And then, uh, Nate, what about you? Um, at the time when this podcast is being recorded, um, I'm sorry, when this podcast airs, I will be uh, two days away from my second COVID vaccine. And I can just taste the sweet immunity from here. Um, I cannot wait. I know I fully acknowledge that after three days, or in three days when I get it, I'll wait two weeks and then I will be my peak immunity, but it feels so good. And I cannot wait for the world to get their vaccines. The United States will distribute extra vaccines to people around the world and we can all come back together and I can finally use my Delta Sky Miles credit card for what it was intended for which is to go to the detroit delta terminal Mm -hmm. go to the plum market there Mm -hmm. and buy the greatest food i've ever had in my entire life zingerman's cheddar and herb scones that for some reason they only sell there and i can't wait (laughs) you earned it we've had a hard year you've earned those scones I agree. Yeah, you know what? You, you, you eat an extra scone for me. That sounds really good. Uh, congratulations on getting vaccinated. That's really something. Thank you. It feels fun. it feels like a, a true blessing. Yeah, it is. that's very cool. Uh, I, Hopefully sometime in the near future, we'll be vaccinated. Yes, I'm not going to wait for that one. Yes. Well, uh, Dr. Fish, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, so you talked a little bit about it earlier, but where can people find more of your work? And do you have any specific links that you'd recommend so people can find more resources on anti-Semitism or just any other uh, things out there on the internet that you think are important? Totally. So I highly recommend following us again, TBH, Together mm-hmm. Beat Hate. We also have a website, togetherbeathate.org that has quite a bit of information. There's some incredible people to read. Of course, Professor Deborah Lipstadt has articles and books. Um, my good friend Barry Weiss has a book. David Bedell just recently wrote a book that's worth reading. Um, there's tons of Jewish communal organizations who are thinking about how to address these issues and are preparing materials, trying to help young people navigate the conversation. And I would say, get informed, read, listen, read multiple sources and engage with multiple perspectives. And then also actually think about how would you, you know, address a situation should it emerge? Absolutely. Well, uh, thank you for joining us, Dr. Fish. Thank you for letting us borrow you for just a little bit of your time. And I think that this was a really, really interesting conversation. And it's one that I'm glad that we had. Anti-Semitism is around. And I think that it's important to just be educated at the end of the day, because that's all the best that we can do. Thank you, Jake. Such a pleasure. Thank you. Okay, well, uh, thank you for listening this week to our episode of the Weekly Fetch. It is always absolutely a pleasure to be here and to be your host. Uh, I hope that you enjoy your Passover that you spend with your families if you celebrate Passover. I hope that you uh, eat lots of food. I hope that you say hi to your grandma for me. Just give her a quick hello. Be like, Jake says hi. She might not know who I am, but explain who I am and explain this wonderful podcast to her and sit her down and make her listen to every single episode from the first one. Uh, Shout out to your grandma. Heck yeah. Uh, This has been the Weekly Fetch. I remain your host, Jake Rubin. It is always my pleasure. I hope you have a great night. 
a wonderful Passover and an incredible, incredible Afikomen and uh, pizza matzah and Nutella matzah and uh, matzah brie. Matzah brie is my favorite. All right, sorry, I got excited. All right, well, I hope you have a wonderful night. Goodbye. And that's our show. Thanks for kvetching with us this week. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review and call a friend to tell them you love them. The Weekly Kvetch is hosted by me, Jake Rubin, and our executive producers are Sophie Dwaskin and Nate Strauss. This podcast is a production of MSU Hillel. Yalla bye, my friends. Theme music produced by Peter Cooley.